2: I'm Catherine Bach, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. It's Wednesday morning. Welcome to the show. Great to have you all here this morning with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am doing well. Have a rainy day yesterday, beautiful day today. Ready to dive in with you. How are Terrific. you? Terrific. Let's dive in. I'm in New York City. Gorgeous day. Uh, trying to do my show for my loft here in the city uh, two minutes before to go, people have to know what happens before you go on the air. A lot happens with you and with me, right? <laughs> Always, we sound so calm once we get on the air. But it's—I'll tell you—being on radio doesn't it give you good practice to do things like really fast in real time and 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 then be able to just accomplish a lot in a short period of time, like getting ready for the show. Stuff goes wrong, and then you come in and you're really calm, and you just yeah, and you take five or two deep breaths, and then okay. Yeah, so, and you do what yeah. you have to do. Well, I was in this big—it's it, a loft space that I have, and so the living area was like almost 12-foot ce- ceilings with very little furniture in it. So I'm getting ready for my show, and I've got all my equipment and all this stuff, and it—it's it, like echoing away. It's echoing, bouncing off the walls. So I raced into one of the bedrooms, and now it's much better because there's carpeting in here and it's much smaller. Much better. Yeah. So how does—and now I know you have. I have
3: stuff, too. You know, I was supposed to, Sierra was supposed to be with a friend playing this morning because it's spring break here in Texas. And, of course, the mom texted me, texted me last night and said, got some news. Um, her daughter's sick, and, you know, you're probably not going to want your daughter around mine. So, you know, Sierra's all set up with Elmo and babies and pretzels, and, you know, she's
2: ready to go. You're so. good to go. I think because of all the, ra- the radio stuff you do and everything as a mom, it, being prepared is really important. And like what you can do is you probably should have a little, and maybe you already do this, and this is like advice for moms who are listening, but like a little shelf or closet full of the emergency stuff so that like when this happens you're prepared. Like you, or even list, I'm beginning to like, okay, that situation, you have a four-year-old, you do radio, and you do, or other things that could apply to anything. But you have like a list of perhaps five things written down, not just in your mind that could go wrong, that kind of do go wrong (laughs) over the year, you know, so that when it happens, you go click on to whatever it is, two or three, and have the solution or two or three solutions available. In this case, it's like all the food and the games and the books because she's going to be there by herself.
3: Yeah, it was interesting. We had to. um, I had a little pre-planning, and it was it was. Just as important, not just for me to have that list in my head or even written, but to go through it with her this morning, so she knew her options and her choices for one hour, and okay. it was really helpful. She's also, you know, she had a
2: plan, so she doesn't get all stressed out. So she doesn't feel your anxiety and your tension. No, I, I think that's totally an easy thing to do, it. and it's easy. And of course, if, if a mother, you know, has a career and she also has two or three kids, you need to have those Plan A and Plan B. And I think a lot of mothers don't. I mean, like if you're in a if you're on a ship, you have life jackets, and you have to go through a drill just in case the ship you know, gets into a serious situation and you have to get off in the lifeboats, don't we need to do that in our daily lives? do you think yes, that's helpful? We do, yeah. And I think it's easier for me now that she's
3: four versus one. You know, at one, you know, when I burst out crying, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. They don't have a, whereas four is a little easier to have that backup plan.
2: Yeah, that's true. And you got a four, what, yeah, four months for two years. I think probably one to three is the most difficult. A baby I would sport. agree with that. Yeah, I would agree from that from this standpoint. Yeah, I think from yeah. most standpoints because they're standing and running and uncontrollable. Or you know, but this, I, I just want to mention the guest that's coming on today because he's he's cool. I've interviewed him before, Joe Watson. I don't know if you've heard of him, but. uh he just wrote a book called Where the Jobs Are Now. Everybody wants to know where the jobs yeah. are now, the fastest-growing industries and how to break into them. So we'll leave it at that, kind of tease Interesting. people back. I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation. Yeah. What mm-hmm. are they? I don't think they're the entertainment business. No. I don't think I'm they're the radio business or the TV. It. But everybody wants to get into the communications business. But anyway, we'll wait and see when Joe comes on. He'll, he's going to come on during the, after this break. Uh Here's one for you. Lucy Danziger, do you know who she is? I'm always giving you a quiz. <laughs> I don't know who it is. You have to have your computer there and quickly look it up and say, oh, yeah, of course I know who Lucy Danziger is. She's <laughs> editor-in-chief of Self Magazine. Oh, okay, good, good, Written good. Written a new book, co-authored a book with another woman, of course, a psychiatrist. Uh and her book actually has six million monthly readers. That's pretty good. Wow. Yeah, because I'll tell you, the publishing business is not one of the businesses that's a good one to be in these days. It's very difficult because magazines are going down the tubes as we speak, right? It's true. Yeah. People are just all, everybody's reading online. Everybody's reading online. The nine rooms of happiness, loving yourself, finding your purpose, and getting over life's little imperfections. The nine what of happiness? Rooms of happiness. Rooms. Nine rooms of the
3: happiness. Nine rooms of happiness.
2: Interesting. Go to the website, and any of, anybody who's listening, go to the website. Very cool website. Helps you get over all the stuff you'd have to deal with on a daily basis. And she, uh, what, what the premise of this book is that all too often women fear because we're talking about mistakes and things that go wrong. Um, we get all caught up in our mistakes, and we're not able to look beyond our mistakes and to our successes. So we get hung up in, in, in if, you know, let's say we just got a job promotion, but then we start getting, we, we take it, okay, we, that's great, we got a promotion at work, but then, uh my kid's not doing well in school. So we kind of sabotage the happiness because everything isn't perfect. Yeah, but I think we do do that.
3: That's, really, mm-hmm. that's a great point.
2: And she says, and and this whole book is all about that, Um, I said Lucy Danziger, Lucy Danziger, that's her name, and the the psychiatrist's name is Catherine Berndorf, and uh, this book is all about why it's all too common for women to be thrown off balance if things are going well, in all areas of life except for one. So that's what they do in their new book. What they use is they use the simple metaphor of a house to illustrate the central problem. Problem When women should be, and I'm reading this from their uh, website, when women should be grateful for what they have in their lives in the room at hand, they are either seeing the room's imperfections or worse, worrying about another room.
3: Or looking at the whole house versus the room is what they're implying.
2: Exactly. The woman, the book takes women through different parts of their lives, which she describes as their homes, helping them understand their patterns and gives them new ways for thinking to solve their own problems. Now, each room represents a facet of a woman's life, and I'm gonna, here's another quiz, my dear. The bedroom is about issues. What would you think the bedroom would, is, what issues come up in the bedroom? I would think it's your partner issues. That's it. Connection to a partner, intimacy, sex, love, desire. What's that? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: uh, well, uh, I'll have to <laughs> We'll leave that one alone. All right, the bathroom. What about the bathroom? What do you think the issues come up? So anyway, what she's saying is, so you've got all these. Let's say you have. Say you have great sex one night. It's fabulous. Everything is great. You've reconnected with your partner. You know, you haven't had sex in three weeks. Whatever, right? But then the minute it's over, you're thinking about, oh my god, we have to pay the mortgage, and we haven't. uh, We're not going to be able to do it this month, and so you get right into another room. And you just don't enjoy or enjoy the, the happiness that was to, that you had got from that event. Makes sense, doesn't it? It does make sense. It's interesting,
3: and I I always I like, it's an interesting concept you're having me think about it because I do think that it's important not to have <coughs> excuse me one area of your life that's rotten. I do tend to have it like shade the rest, you know, like that area is lousy. So it's sort of making my whole life lousy, where it's not true. It's just one one room one compartment
2: exactly it's one compartment keep it there and don't let it yeah shade the rest or overpower or not even let you enjoy the moment in the other room like the good stuff that's happening
3: exactly yeah
2: right. so that mean, i like, like that perspective
3: yeah but they also a... the other thing is not to compartmentalize like the the flip side of that is to not compartmentalize that you have to get it all done because I think that also interferes with the whole happiness around work-life balance. What do
2: you mean that you don't have to get it all done?
3: Um, in other words, like you don't have to, finish don't have having to sex out five seven days a week. You don't have to eat perfectly seven days a week. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's the same concept, but I think people, but the flip side of it, in other words, not to try to get all,
2: not to try to live in every room every day. And I want to get back to the sex thing, because people are, are I mean, that's an issue. Certainly not with me, but uh <laughs> it, it's like, well, I think yeah. women get caught up in, let's say, that's a good example, like work, like, all right, you, you're taking care of the kids, doing all the stuff that you do, working, etc. They We haven't had sex in three weeks, and we have to have it three times a week or twice a week, and if we only have it once a week, then we, and getting anxious about that and setting up these kind of faults. Um, Rules rule, Yeah, what'd you say? Rules Rules like,
3: Yeah, we make them up that if you don't have sex a certain amount of time, I, my husband does that.
2: Yeah, most men do.
3: Oh my god. But for it them it's, it's true. Yeah, it's like you need a quota. What's your quota? <laughs> get like, over it. Hey
2: honey, what is your quota? What do you think is
3: good for you? Yeah. Oh man, it makes me
2: crazy. That, yeah, that topic can get me a little crazy. So you have to, you have to replay this show for him because he doesn't need a quota. <laughs> Men, you don't need a quota. It's okay. They need it for something. I don't Why know. Why do they need it?
3: Why do they need it? I don't know
2: if they really need it. I mean, do they physically need it or they just need it to boost their male, uh, not image. What's the word? They're kind of their macho-ness. Like they feel like they're not a man if they don't have sex so many Maybe times. Maybe that's a what week. it is. What? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it could be. I, I don't know, but I think it's kind of, it does tend to be somewhat of a universal, um problem, issue. We're yeah, I'd in love
3: to call and help us understand it better.
2: Yeah. Because I'd hear it
3: better from a generic guy than from my husband, you know.
2: From a, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Why is that, social worker?
3: <laughs>
2: Alright, so don't get stuck in the bedroom, folks.
3: Just, you know, uh, just,
2: uh, let it the other go. thing is you
3: don't always have to have sex in the bedroom.
2: No, you don't always have to. You should, actually, you should have sex in different, that's, uh, the, you know, if the, I'm giving, this is a social work advice. If you want to keep it interesting, don't keep having sex in the same place, in the same bedroom, on the same bed. Boring, 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 especially for 20 years. <laughs> it's true. This is not an exciting thing to do. No one would want to have sex if you have to have it every night in the same room, on the same bed, at the same time. Oh uh, yeah, that sounds like a routine. Sounds fabulous, right? (laughs) All right, we have to take a break. VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio, Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller-Blake, you're listening to us this morning. By the way, again, thanks for being with us. Joe Watson coming up, Where the Jobs Are Now. We'll be back in a minute.
4: News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com Money. We love it. We hate it. And everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics join professor Lori Lomantia each week for the program making peace with money Lori will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness you'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life making peace with money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel
5: And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show, Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
4: Stimulating talk it gets
1: those synapses in the brain inspired
4: All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 86-472-5788. That number again is 86-472-5788.
2: We're back. I'm Catherine Zox. I am your social worker with the microphone, and you are listening to the Catherine Zox Show with my co-host Lauren Deller Blake, Voice America dot com and World Talk Radio. Joining us, as promised, Joe Watson, author of Where the Jobs Are Now. Everybody should be listening to this because they do want to know where the jobs are. The fastest growing industries and how to break into them. Uh, Joe is a leading national authority on strategic career planning and has been quoted in New York Times, Wall Street Journal. He's our expert this morning. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Catherine and Lauren. Good morning. I hope everybody's great today. We are great today. Now, I, I know you were listening to us before, cause so, and you told me just before we got on the air, you had a little comment to make on what Lauren and I were talking about before we got on the air.
6: Well, no, I, I just think that we have the inevitable tensions uh, between uh, men and women on the, the subject of uh, their intimacy and their relationships. And I do believe that everybody, by the way, keeps score at some level, regardless of which one of the genders you happen to. Uh, to inhabit, and I think by definition, that creates some of the tension, you know, where there's some who keep count and want to know why it's not more, and then another party who feels that the keeping of the count, uh, you know, kind of, uh, in some ways lessens, you know, the aura of the being that's brought together by the oneness, if you will. So I just I think, think that's that it's true, been...
2: Joe. Okay, so in our own, okay, say like guys think, well, I have to have sex three times a week, and maybe women's, Sort of, uh, they're un- unconsciously. You know, twi- twice a month is enough. But still, I think that men get more uncomfortable if they don't live up to their quota, whereas women can get much more distracted and
6: sort of let go of it. Yeah, unfortunately for men, um, and I can speak, you know, for you know, as one, right? You can speak but for men all care, men right now. Men, men, men carry a laundry list of quotas.
1: <laughs> that
6: have been imparted upon them since they were small children that they constantly struggle, struggle to meet uh, and or exceed and in many cases fall short of, uh, which would further explain why you see so many men behaving in interesting fashion, shall we say. Are we talking about some of our more famous celebrities? Uh, no comment.
2: Okay. <laughs> we talk about them on the show all the time.
6: Yeah, well, you know what's funny about that is for every um, famous one that flames out or blows up publicly, there are probably a 1,000 um, that are, uh you know, having their own version of that flame out uh, that no one ever sees.
2: Yeah, or that no one does, they don't care about. I mean, they care about
3: mm-hmm.
6: the governor of New York, they care
2: about Tiger Woods, but you're right, we don't care about the guy down the street who also is having 10 or 12 affairs
6: with all the neighbors, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and the other thing I would mention is that, I do believe that in many cases, you know, this type of behavior is behavior that has been in place in many ways since the dawn of time. I think some of the explosion of our media glamorizing certain activity has kind of pushed people to uh embrace the edges of what we would probably consider the bounds of, of you know, kind of traditional relationship norm. Uh, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, you know, it is consistent with, frankly, who we are and who we have been, you know.
2: Yeah, and, and the people that we're talking about, I mean, Joe, what do you think, Lauren? I mean, if they're not traditional people. These are people that are, uh, you know, not only in the public eye, but, I mean, they are powerful, they are wealthy, they are successful. So, I mean it's uh, to me it's kind of a different arena for them i mean i i i mean i'm a woman i don't blame them i don't think i blame them in the same way that i i see a lot of the hoopla in the media and stuff i mean maybe you do more more well, we're really getting off topic but maybe we can morph into jobs after this right sure. Uh, sure but i want to hear from you Lauren. what do you think
3: what do i think it's uh... I, he- I hear your perspective that it's sort of ingrained, you know. That, but I do think that there's a way to evolve so that it's not so about the score, but more about the connection. You know, like you know, I haven't connected with that person in a while. I'd really like to connect. You know.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: So I yeah. do hear. The, I do hear what you're saying. And so you're, what you're saying is there's it's it's trained and it's just how we are.
6: Yeah, and by the way, and I'm not, you know, and that's not a defense, like, so therefore, you know, <laughs> behavior that would be considered questionable is, is kind of, you know, now, you know, kind of, uh uh, uh you know, for, for forgiven and we shall move forward, if you will. It's simply, I, I do oftentimes think um, that in our urge to evolve um, as humans, we forget. Uh, sometimes that at the end of the day we're just people um, and yeah. we're just part of that evolutionary food chain, if yep. you will, or a growth chain of animals at the end of the day. And I know a lot of people don't like to deal with that, but, you know, just to give you an idea, you know, morphing and thinking about jobs, oftentimes uh, we talk about how people are in communities where the joblessness rate, let's say, exceeds 50%, and there are communities out there in our country like that, and people ask the question, uh, why don't they leave? Um, and when you think about um, the American Indians, uh, when they were here uh, in the early days roaming the plains, you know, when wintertime came to the places where they were living, what did they do? You know, they packed their belongings and they gathered their families and they left, right? And they went someplace that was warm because they recognized if they stayed where it was cold and where it was freezing and there was no food, they would likely die.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: and And today... Uh, we have people, and this comes back to my point about, you know, just the evolution where we, you know, sometimes move away from what is the innate behavior that we kind of, you know, get and we understand and is ingrained in us, um, and we kind of move and, and make things a bit more complicated uh, than they actually are. And, and that's what a lot of people, you know, when you're sitting someplace where the unemployment rate, you know, exceeds or the joblessness rate, if you will, uh, meets or exceeds 50%. You seriously should have and should be looking at leaving, frankly,
2: yeah, I think that's a good point in your book, Joe. you talk about um well, what are we talking about? thirty million people who don't have jobs, twenty million people
6: yeah, thirty thirty million that are unemployed and underemployed, and that's the official count, so the number is likely uh you know a good ten to fifteen percent higher than that
2: yeah, well, I think the point you made about not wanting to leave and and uh, maybe it doesn't mean necessarily leaving this. Or leaving the city that you 're in, but being willing to just leaving the <clears throat> mindset that you 're going to go back to the same kind of job, people keep talking about we want to go back to the way it was. You know the auto industry is down the tubes, so we 're not going to go back to the way it was. We have to go forward into something different and I think that that, that sort of that theme comes across in your book. I mean you talk about recession proof industries. There are industries that are going forward that 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 are that are not the old industries where all the jobs have been lost. So we that we have to get into that mindset, let go and go forward, rather than thinking we're going to go back to the way it was, get the same kind of job that I had before, because you're not going to. Is that am I am I on target
6: or what? You're you're exactly on target, and you know anything that can be done to break people of that mindset would be critical. Because I'll give you an example: you have people where the official unemployment, underemployment rates in the area, let's say 40% range, that type of thing. Um, and then you have places, uh, you know, in the Midwest, you know, Nebraska, and Kansas, and so on, where you've got, you know, unemployment rates in the 4.5% range, okay? And when you have 4.5% unemployment, generally speaking, most of those people who are unemployed on some level want to be, that's what 4.5% means. I mean, in essence, that's really like having full employment, Okay which means that you could leave the place where there's 40% and go to a place where there's 4.5%, which means you would have a job in all likelihood, right? But people yeah. don't go. But, you know, but they lose their home. And, they, and I understand why and I understand the fear, but I think it's important that people challenge themselves uh, and ask themselves what's stopping them. Um, if the most important things are what they say, you know, the ability to provide for their family, to be able to provide for their future, then we have to make hard choices.
2: All right, so let's talk. Let's be specific. You know, tell us like, all right, people say they are. You mentioned fear. I mean, they're afraid because you know, you know what you have, even if it's horrible. But you, so you'd rather stick with what you know. That just, I think that just tends to be the human psyche. So you're sitting there without a job in a place where it's forty percent, or you know, twelve, fifteen percent unemployment. You could go to another place. You're terrified. How do you work that through? And and then you know, real specifically. Someone's listening and they're thinking, well, okay, I'm in this situation. What do I exact? What do I do?
6: Well, let's, let's start with just the, the mindset shift. And I'm a big fan of history, so I think let's remember and think about, um, you know, who we are as a country. You know, America is a nation of immigrants. And by definition, what that means really for all immigrants, if you can think about it generally speaking, their transport to America was a harrowing experience, right? And so, uh, whether that was in the earliest days of the pilgrims, whether that is folks who have uh, come to our country uh, from other nations uh, in uh, Eastern Europe or in, um, you know, Asia, Southeast Asia, or in some of the uh, uh, countries in South America and Mexico and so on. Uh, in many cases, there was a measure of fear and trepidation, a great measure, um, to cross and travel great distances to establish a future. And the people who chosen to make that journey and what has ultimately culminated in a population of 300 million um, were people who left to make that choice because where they were was incredibly undesirable, right? And so they chose to make these harrowing journeys both, you know, physically, emotionally, intellectually, et cetera, to create, uh, you know, put themselves in a better posture. I believe that people need to remind themselves that that was how we came to be. And to ask themselves the same question. Unfortunately, there are systems in place, and people need to remember that. Um, I think that contribute to a softening of people in terms of uh, elements of their psyche to get them comfortable uh, and move them away from focusing on a hard, on the hard decision. This is a hard decision, but I think for many people, one they will have to make. And they can start by simply looking at the the un, the list of states by unemployment rate, looking at the top five with the lowest and thinking about which one they might be interested in moving to.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I just want that point about I think we make it, and I don't like to use the word comfortable, but I'm thinking of you know you're talking about history and people coming here as immigrants under, but they came under such dire circumstances. It's almost like in the countries or the places they were, they felt or in reality they had nothing left to lose. They were being persecuted for whatever reasons. They really, there was such a, a motivation or you know to to go and to get up and take their families and leave. Whereas here we don't have that same motivation, and I think that's what you're saying. I mean, even if you're unemployed, you make, I mean, there are some, which is a good thing as well, that, you know, you can still have food for your children or you can still have some kind of a shelter or, you, you know, you're not being persecuted religiously or whatever. So you don't have the same kind of um, impetus to get up and go.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And But it's also important, you know, to understand that the underlying element in all of that is that when you stay, you've made a choice to stay. And that's really important because a lot of people look at themselves and their environment and they wonder how they got there and they wonder, um, you know, why more isn't being done. And, and, you know, and they speak about how, you know, hard they ter- they're trying, and they are. And then I, mean, I mean that with no diminishment of the tremendous effort uh, that people are putting forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, that it's important for people to understand that they have a lot more choice in this whole situation than sometimes um, they fully appreciate. And so when you make a choice that I don't want to leave an area where unemployment, underemploy- underemployment is extremely high, um, then you're making a choice to position yourself and, frankly, your family uh, for uh, potentially a more difficult road. Um, that doesn't even by itself, I'm not saying that that's a negative, but for a lot of people, they're not consciously recognizing that choice, and I believe that it's important that you recognize that. Yeah, so important,
2: because now you've changed the whole paradigm. It's a choice. You're not a victim. See, when you have that victim mentality, it's like, I can't do anything about it. You know, right. somebody has to do it for me. You know, Mr. President, we have to have jobs within three months. Hey, there are jobs. It's your choice to find them and go out and get them. Very different. That is a really different way of thinking about it.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So, and for a lot of people with all this bad news, Catherine, and things you realize, and again, you know me, I'm focused on the simple element. But one thing is that, you know, remember, you're only looking for one job. So regardless of all the bad news that you hear and the millions of people and it sounds overwhelming and so on, You're only looking for one job. That's one. Joe, can
2: you stay uh, with us for another few minutes? Yes, sure,
6: of course. Okay, Mm
2: because we're going to take a short break. Okay. I'm uh, I'm Catherine Zox. We're talking to Joe Watson, author of Where the Jobs Are, with my co-host Lauren Beller-Blake. It's voiceamericavariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling.
0: We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and
2: spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there.
4: All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel
5: Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to ocean us, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on. The the Green Talk Network.
4: Streaming live. The leader in Internet Talk Radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zoc Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788.
2: We're back. Thanks for joining us. I'm your social worker with a microphone. It's the Catherine Zock Show, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Thanks again for joining us with Joe Watson this morning, joining Lauren and me. Where the jobs are? He's author of Where the Jobs Are: The Fastest Growing Industries and How to Break Into Them. We want to know that with all the you know 20 million unemployment, but Joe has a really kind of. Um, I would say unique perspective in your book, Joe, and as we were saying before we took the break, I mean, people have to take responsibilities for finding out where the there are jobs available, what they are and where they are. So maybe, you know, let's talk specific because I don't think you've mentioned the industries. What industries? Where are the potential for uh, job satisfaction and stability and profitability, as you talk about in the book? What industries? Where can can we go to to uh, perhaps attain some of this? the uh, yep. job satisfaction.
6: Yep. You, you have it, um, and I'll list them quickly and then come back more specifically to why there's satisfaction there. Um, healthcare and biotechnology, uh, which includes uh, pharmaceutical industry, um, information technology, uh, education, uh, government, uh, as well as the security industry, uh, both uh, physical security and cyber security, and then finally uh, green energy. Uh, as areas of uh, growth and significant growth in the future. Uh, and the reason uh, that folks can find that security there is that um, industries that are growing, by definition, will have more resources, and by resources I mean money. Um, and when you have more money and you're a worker in a company that's growing, what that means is when you do a great job, uh, you're more likely uh, to receive a better raise because they have money, uh, you're more likely to be promoted faster, uh, because they need people to step up and assume responsibility as they grow, and you're more likely to have better benefits because, again, they have more money. So if you're being paid more, uh, promoted faster, and you have better benefits, uh, then I would offer to you that you're more likely to be happier. Uh, and the people around you, since they're in the same environment, are more likely to be happier, which, generally speaking, when you think of that as a place where you spend the most time, usually leads to a much better outcome than the alternative
2: are there joe are these industries um will you you refer to them as knowledge based in, industries as opposed uh, I, to, yeah go ahead
6: yeah i would refer to them as knowledge but certainly there's manufacturing and many of them um, in the hospital healthcare related industries uh certainly in green energy and so on uh, for me it's really a matter of the knowledge base and the areas where frankly the us economy uh, is headed, and that's the most important thing. You know, most people, um, Catherine Lauren, they manage their careers in a very random way traditionally. They kind of stumble into roles and opportunities. And what we're talking about now is people being more deliberate than they've ever been about where they end up, understanding when you look at the growth industries that these are ones right now where a tremendous amount of investment is taking place. This is where private equity firms, Wall Street, uh, other institutional powers of finance are placing their bets. Um, this is where the government and the research arms and the university research arms are placing their bets. And as I'd like to point out to people, if everybody uh, that is in the money um, classes and kind of determining uh, where these things are going to happen is putting all their money on black, if you will, if we were in a, to use, betting parlance, you know, why are you betting on red? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if all the money is on black, that's the, I would offer people that's where you need to overlay your career because that's is the greatest uh, likelihood of success. And again, this is a more recent development because of the latest economic downturn that you have to think more this way. Uh, but it is, I believe, the appropriate way to think. each uh, individual makes their own determination, of course.
2: Yeah, I like the way you think because you're very practical. I mean, you put it into practical behavioral terms so that uh, you know we understand what you're talking about. Okay, then we'll get even more specific. How do you get the training in these jobs? Let's say you've been... I keep going back to the auto industry because you know, i don't know that's, that's that's one that's so obvious, and you 've been working in that business and industry for twenty years, and then you don't have a job you're out of a job. How do you get the training and where do you get the training to get into any one of these other industries that you mentioned
6: you know one of the great things, and this is a great point because oftentimes when people start thinking about the training and <laughs> learning, they tend to make this effort bigger than it actually needs to be. Uh, So oftentimes when you talk to people about going into one of these crazy things, oh, I don't have a year, two years, three years to go retrain and relearn and so on, what I'm really big on is focusing people on what I call the process of translating your existing skills. And, again, really helping people, as you indicated in kind of my practical way, understand that. And so here's one easy example. If you're at a biofuel plant at a wind farm, Um, if you're at a uh, pharmaceutical production uh, facility and so on, if you're within the walls of a cybersecurity, you know, defense operation, somebody in all those places answers the phone, right? In all those places, somebody drives the truck. Somebody takes care of the accounts receivable and the accounts payable. Somebody reviews the financial statements. That does not require any level of specialized training other than what people know now. What it does require is that people over time learn about the industry, but industry knowledge acquisition is a much, much shorter process than learning an entire new skill to, say, be a a type of engineer and so on. And so for many people, what I'm trying to focus them on is to not think about this in terms of, you know, years of training and so on, but simply think about it in terms of how do I translate what I already know towards this growth industry.
2: So you don't have to be so fearful you translate those skills that you have and they do many times or most or all the time they can translate into another industry all right let's kind of move it up a notch let's say that you are willing to do more than that just you you want to get into another career and you need an education and you want to do that and you're going to try and make that work how would you do that
6: yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book, right? And one of the things that I built in the back of the book is called the Growth Jobs Appendix, right? Which is going out into this thing called the Wild Wild West, otherwise known as cyberspace, and pulling together all the resources that would tell people exactly that information, right? So these are the you know the sites that you go to um, to find out about opportunities, grants, training programs, et cetera, In green energy, for example, um, for people out there. That that's important, and it doesn't have to be my book. It can be another book or another resource that's out there, but they've got to use their resources because one of the most dangerous places, I think, for people to learn about this stuff, Catherine, is just out there um, in a with a random search engine. And the reason I mean that is because there's so much data, it can be overwhelming. I mean, you go in and type green energy retraining uh, into one of the big search engines, and you can spend literally weeks, looking through links of which most of course would be useless uh... and kill time frustrate you depress you further and so on all right so what about this
2: you know you're talking about online getting information how do you feel about online training i mean that's becoming more and more available as well actually getting career changing degrees online from reputable schools uh... universities colleges Um, I think that's an industry that's proliferating, and it's a a good thing because I think there's a a lot of not just information, but you really can get retrained online.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's the wave of the future. I think that um, any um, kind of lingering questions that people have had about um, the successful nature, if you will, of those programs has been washed away and will be totally scrubbed away. By the period that we're going in, because frankly, it is such a necessary mechanism of, of education um, that we need and require uh, here in the country. So I recommend it for people absolutely. But what I also recommend is that they're very thoughtful and methodical about if they decide to engage with one with one of these providers on who it is to make sure they're checking out their track record, checking out their graduation rates, their placement record, and so on. Uh, because the last thing that you want to do. Uh, is to uh, basically invest in uh, education uh, to learn uh, a subject or a new skill, and then find out at the under, other end of that that not only do you not have the level of education that you need, but you also owe a significant amount of money.
2: Yeah, that you don't need to do not in these kinds right. of circumstances. Let's. I just want to mention in the book again because I know you have to go where the jobs are now, the fastest growing industries, and how to break into them. Joe Watson. You can buy this book online, bookstores everywhere. And also, if you want to see Joe on television, because we've just heard his melodious voice, but if you want to see him, you can go to www.withoutexcuses.com. Thanks so much for being on the show today.
6: Hey, Catherine. It's always a pleasure, Lauren. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to spend some time with your listeners. I greatly appreciate it. Great.
2: Thanks for all the great information. You got it. Have yeah. a great day now. We're going to take a short break. We always take the same short break. Lauren Deller-Blake, Catherine Socks, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, and it's also on World Talk Radio. I'm your social worker with a microphone, everyone. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866
6: 472
4: 5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent, you face all kinds of challenges. You know you're a good parent, but we have a show that may help you become a better one. It's called The Book of Dad Radio Show, hosted by expert husband and wife team Robert and Ulette Benson. This program will answer your questions about a variety of topics that parents need to stay on top of. It's a roundtable of discussion that's great for the weekend or anytime. Tune in to the Book of Dad radio show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why shamanism now? A practical path to authenticity will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for shamanic healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Seventh Wave Network.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Listening to the Catherine Zoch Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788.
2: We're back. I'm Catherine Zoch your social worker with a microphone. It's the Catherine Zoc Show with Lauren Deller Blake. VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. That's where you can hear us 24 7. If you haven't heard enough this morning, can't imagine. If you wouldn't want to hear us 24 7. Uh, Lauren, yes. one of the things that Joe does talk about in his book that we didn't get a chance to address is he thinks this this information that we chatted about this morning and also more stuff in his book is it's important to teach your children this information now. Well, I agree with that. Yeah, because we're always talking about the kids. So the kids have to grow up with this kind of an attitude as well. Because it's not the old attitude of 20, 30 years ago, you're gonna get a job, you're gonna stay at the job for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever, right? No, the kids have to have this, uh, the, this kind of information that, uh, that, you know, if you're going from, because this is gonna be the wave of the future. I mean, I think whether you, you know, industries change, uh, you're not gonna be at the same job, we've, you know, talked about that, but then help Teach your kids this now, so that they grow up with the mentality that hey, you, this is what you do when you know, but moving forward, not getting stuck, not being afraid to move to make to make that choice when things aren't working well. It's also about responsibility. If you're not happy with what you're doing, yeah, that's the same. As that's the same. And I think
3: that's true not just around jobs, but in life in general. Like if you're not happy about it, do something to change it. You know,
2: where do we get this victim
3: mentality for? From. I don't know. I agree with that. I where is it coming from. But I do think that we I mean I try to be really conscious about being when I'm being a victim and I don't think that I am and then now and then I am and I think that that's it's just we're not as conscious about being a
2: victim as we When were. do you think you're a victim? I hate I don't I I mean I I mean maybe that's why I'm a social worker cuz I can't stand that victim mentality. Well, I mean when I, think I see people...
3: time we get mad or frustrated with somebody else there's there's a there's a undertone of it.
2: For, in other words, we're projecting our own feelings onto someone else.
3: Yeah, well, uh, we're getting mad in, ho- in hopes that that anger is going to change someone's behavior. Isn't that being a victim? So I try to be aware, so
2: I hear the silence. You're so funny. Um, so my I'm trying to is, figure it is, out. Are you saying that like, my, let's say I'm frustrated with somebody because I don't want them to be a victim. No, no,
3: well, no, no, no. I'm more so frustrated with somebody because you're whatever. Their behavior is making you crazy for whatever.
2: So... Isn't oh, oh being well I'm not exactly that? saying that because that's I was thinking with like with patients or clients. But let's be, get more personal. You're saying I'm frustrated like, so let's with... say I'm
3: frustrated with my husband. That's always, that's always a good example. let
2: use It's so great. I love using husbands and boyfriends, especially well, when they're not so here.
3: Frustrated, I always, if I'm getting angry or frustrated with him and I am in a mood about it, that in some ways, in my opinion, is being a
2: victim because I'm not, I'm allowing that behavior to influence me. It's not that the behavior isn't going to influence you. That part's okay. But what you do with the behavior that's influencing you. Do you I mean, he may be doing something that you don't like.
0: And probably he is. is
2: just, and then you have to decide. It's you, you have choices is how you Exactly, can which You're going is what talking it. about. It's nothing going to change his behavior necessarily. You may help him to become more... Actualized as women do do for their men. Exactly. But, uh, we'll put this, forgetting That's a that great let's way just...
3: of saying it. i want to use
2: that. I love that. <laughs> he's going to hate me. But <coughs> let's just say that he's doing what he does, and we don't like it. But you have choices, one to five, how to respond to it. And exactly. Are... But I think that oftentimes we, as we get stuck
3: as people, and I do too, and I'm noticing this around me, that we get stuck in one way of responding because it's a habit or it's very habitual. And that, in my opinion, is it's a it's the old it's a it's sort of like a victim.
2: It is definitely a victim. So
3: the point is 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 that we have to step out of the old way of responding. And sometimes I think you want you say, where does it come from? I think that we're not conscious sometimes about teaching our
2: kids that that's being a victim. You know, how do you teach your kids? I mean, you, you can't ever wake up in the morning every day and say, I have a life lesson for you. You'll drive them crazy. They'll, no, they'll definitely They'll move on to this opportunity. No, cannot. They can't I believe me. About... 16, I'm out of here. I don't want another life lesson. But I don't you think
3: it's about you internally creating your own life lesson in that moment and not having to share it all the time?
2: I think that's part of it. I, You know what? Yeah, they follow. If you're doing it, if you're not acting as a victim, if you're proactive, if you're doing all the, you know, they see all this stuff happening, that's one way of learning how to, as a kid, you learn that from what you see and what you feel in your family. But I think that's not the only way. You have to verbalize some of this stuff as well. because I, you know, I think there's a,
3: there's a balance. You know, sometimes you don't verbalize it and sometimes you do. I'm finding that for myself. Like I used to probably verbalize way too much. And now I'm just yeah, I'm not. I'm just okay. This is my this is my thing because some some other people don't even care about it,
2: <laughs> like your husband exactly. <laughs> and sometimes my daughter. So yeah, like the to family. Like, we, we don't just... need to hear about this exactly. Because, but with me, I verbalize everything, and so I have to And you my, my daughter And said, do they we have do. Quiet it's like quiet time we don't need morning? to talk about everything and and analyze everything. And I'm like. We're not analyzing everything. Exactly. Just, Trust me, I'm skipping over stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots more to say. <laughs> right. You don't know what I've skipped. Um yeah, so uh, all right, so there's a balance. We always get back to that word. There's a balance, right? Some of it you have to say, but then some of it you just let it go, right? Exactly. All right. So, what are we saying? We tell we've got to be an example to the kids and then we also have to Give some verbal stuff to talk about this. Be prepared. Make choices. Don't victimize yourself. And you victimize yourself. There's we always... do victimize ourselves. I agree with that. You know, like Joe said, you make a choice by staying. Let's say you lost your job, and you have no job, and your wife has no job, and you're sitting there in your house or your condo or wherever you live, and you have no job, and you decide you you can sit there and do nothing about it, but, but you have You're not doing nothing. You made the choice, and I think you have to say it. I'm making a choice to sit here and complain about not getting a job. Totally agree with you 100% that everything is a choice.
3: And I think that there is a place of empowering kids in that way. Like you have a choice about, you know, how to your mood right now. You can choose happy. You can choose mad. You can choose frustrated.
2: How about this? You made a choice to get a C on that test. It was your choice. Don't tell me the teacher's not nice. Exactly. Like me, the kid in back of me is blowing bubble gum. You are texting messages. That's all stuff you don't have control over. That's external stuff. You have your choice to get a C. Now, maybe it's not. You know, you, you so because you there are certain things that you need to do to get a better grade.
3: And it may not have been your choice to get a C, but your actions created it. Like we are responsible for our lives.
2: I like that. Could you repeat that? I don't know
3: what I just oh said. For
2: God, <laughs> it's our actions. You know, it's not that you had like it's not say okay, I want an A, and maybe you really, of course, you can really work really hard and not get the A because you're not smart enough. But you don't want. To <laughs> I've totally been there before. <laughs> yeah. Like I want the A, and I kept
3: getting the C or even right. the D in one of the co- my college classes. Oh my God!
2: So we've got that situation as well. But then that means you have to be aware of what you're. Be aware of what your capabilities are and then put them in the right place. Yeah,
3: and you're, sometimes I think our expectations are not matching our efforts. Like, I'll, you know, I just, a lot of women business owners that I work with, they want to, you know, take their businesses to a whole other level. And, okay, so but how much time are you willing to work and how much during that work time are you doing great work or are you, you know, shuffling papers or
2: checking email? That's not great work. Yeah, I thought checking emails was great work. No, it's not. (laughs) I have thousands of emails. I'm checking them every minute. I'm doing (laughs) bids.
3: No great work there. I mean, yes, it's communicating, but I think that there's bigger projects or more um, valuable projects that take businesses to another level,
2: you know? Yeah, and that's one of those buzzwords, too. now I'm taking it to the next level. Like, which is what you're saying, but no, no, you're not really taking it to the next level. Exactly, you're not really, and that's
3: the place to we'll have to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and about, what Joe pointed out, it's true responsibility. Like, you really want a new job? You're really only, there's only one, you only need one, you don't need fifteen, you know, it's
2: not that hard. Yeah, you're right, that's a, uh, that's a really good point. He mentions, um the people, the 30 million unemployed people, these people you're talking about who just need one job, they don't need ten jobs. Yep. Um, He describes them the group of workers that he was talking about, just leaving you with some like labels here. The unemployed, the underemployed, the anxious employed and the hostage employed. Oh. And you have to decide, are you one of them? And if you want to know, go to his book and the the description of all of these kind of categories. Uh, you know, how would you describe yourself? Unemployed is underemployed, anxious employed. I think a lot of people are in that situation and hostage employed. Wow. Yeah. So oh, I do think with that think there's a lot anyway, of that what?
3: going on right now. What? There's a lot of those various types of employees, but I do think it goes back to you know choosing to stay and looking for another job. Like I know lots of people that complain about their
2: jobs. Well, I can't. I have very little patience for that. Go get another one. Yeah, That's, this is the end of the, our show. And Lauren said, if you've lost your job, go get another one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Catherine Zox. That's Lauren's advice. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Talk dot com. Uh, World Talk Radio. Well, Lauren and I will see you next week. Thanks for being with
6: us
1: today. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.